How many of you have either gone through a storm or you're expecting one? Okay, the same kind of question would be, how many of you in here has, has a mother? Okay. So how many of you have gone through a storm, a hurricane, or you're expecting one, you're going through one now? Anybody? Yeah, all of us. So, so it's very applicable. We're going to be looking today in Matthew chapter 14, uh, verses 22 through 33. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bible or open your app right now. Uh, it's the second week, as Pastor Blake said, about Hello Hurricane. Uh, and I want to go ahead and read the passage of Scripture before we do anything else. This is uh, out of the NLT, Matthew chapter 14. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Now, what he's referring to there is immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. That's, that's what took place there. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind, wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly and, and on and on. I want to uh, deal with the topic of distractions today, the danger of distractions. Uh, I read an account recently of a policeman riding down the road, and he noticed a car in front of him that said, uh, hang up and drive. So the policeman was really pleased with that. You know, he knows how bad people can get with distractions, and so the policeman was going to kind of drive up beside the car and congratulate him, let him know that he liked his bumper sticker and all that, and he got up to him. The guy was peering through his mirror shaving. <laughs> so we live in a world... Uh, that makes it really easy to get distracted, uh, whether it's texting, whether it's talking, whether it's daydreaming, or whether it's shaving in the rearview mirror. It's easy to get distracted, and that's the focus of the message this morning. And before we go any further, I have to say congratulations to the D-Berry family for a new little D-Berry. <laughs> Jessie had her little boy this week, and I don't know what the world will do with another D-Berry. <laughs> As a kid, I played a lot of baseball. Any, any ball players in here? A lot, a lot of baseball. And uh, one, one phrase that I always heard and I've always said throughout my life is, keep your eye on the ball. 
If you don't keep your eye on the ball, you won't hit the ball. You won't, you won't catch the ball. Uh, if, a, if, if a player is not watching, he'll swing and miss or he'll catch it in the face or something like that. I, we had a little boy when I was a kid who, who was doing this and the ball goes whoop, and hit him right in the face. Um, but what happens if you're cutting vegetables and you get distracted? You, you might lose a finger, you know. Um, what about golfing and you get distracted? Well, you might miss the golf ball. What happens if you're driving and get distracted? It can, the results can be devastating. So staying focused is really, really important, and it's even more important to stay focused spiritually. Talking about eternal things, spiritual things, it's even more important to stay focused on those things. So that's what we're going to be dealing with. I want to pray over us today. Uh, would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? God, I, I just pause here for a minute to say, please help us. We've come to this place today to experience your spirit, to be encouraged, to learn. And today, God, we just ask you, please help us. Um, we pray that you would help our hearts so that we would understand, open, open us up so we can get this. Lord, I pray that you'd help me, that, that you would touch my mind, my heart, my ability to, to think and to speak. And I pray, God, that through all of this, when we walk away from here, we can say, man, how good it was to be in the house of prayer today. So we commit it to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our text, uh, Jesus gives this powerful lesson to his disciples right there on the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee uh, is not quite what we know as an ocean. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is actually a freshwater, it's the largest freshwater lake in Israel. It's 64 square miles. It, the surface of the lake is 680 feet below sea level. On the east side of the lake, there's a lot of hills and mountain ranges and, and, and cliffs up to about 2,000 feet high. Down at the water level, though, it's, it's semi-tropical. It's very, very humid. So what you have here is this real heavy, warm, moist air at the water level, and then you have this cool, dry air coming in from above, and when it comes down, it can provide some spectacular storms on the Sea of Galilee. So that's, that's the, the setting for this story today, the Sea of Galilee. In the first part of the chapter, Jesus had just learned about John the Baptist's death, and he wanted to get away. So he, he goes with the disciples across the water, and he wanted to be alone. Instead, when the crowds found out that he was heading that way, they hustled around there, and they met him on the other side. And the Bible says that when he saw the people, he had compassion upon them, and he healed their sick. That's just like Jesus, isn't it? He had certain needs. He had certain things he was trying to do. Yet when the needs of the people came up, he gave himself for the people, just like Jesus. At the end of the day, it was late, and there were lots of hungry people, and that's when the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 took place. As you know, he provided all they could eat from a few portions of food. He fed, the scripture says, 5,000 men that day with women and children, maybe 15,000, 20,000 people possibly that he fed that day. So at the end of the day now, and everybody's tired, Jesus sends the people away and he insists that the disciples get in the boat, one boat, and leave him behind. He wanted his quiet time. <laughs> he wanted his alone time. And so they got into the boat and they went out into the water. And then the scripture says, meanwhile... Uh, as he was praying and spending time relaxing in the evening, 
Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. The King James Version says there, were, uh, there was a contrary wind. You know, there's a lot of contrary wind and heavy waves in our lives today. Whether you're living in Puerto Rico, or whether you're living in Las Vegas, or whether you're living on the Gulf Coast, or, or if you're in Houston, there's a lot of contrary winds. But I want you to understand that not all of the winds that are contrary are physical. Some of the winds that we face are spiritual. In fact, there's a great deal of them that are spiritual, and that's what we're, we're, looking, at, we're looking at today. This life is filled with hurricanes. After facing Hurricane Harvey, then Irma, then Maria, we faced a hurricane of violence where 60 people were killed this week. Over 500 people were wounded this week. And then on top of that, another hurricane came through. And then I wonder about our lives spiritually. This is a hurricane-filled life. And we need to understand that and, and start to think a little bit more seriously about how we handle all of these things. Because they are coming. They are coming. We may have seven or eight years where we don't have hurricanes. But we're going to have some years where we have four. And we better be ready for that. At about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. You can imagine the scene. Their boat is being tossed about. I, I, my wife and I had the privilege of being on the Sea of Galilee in a boat. While we were in that boat, it was a bigger boat than what the, the, the disciples were in. But while we were out on the boat, it was a pretty large vessel the sea started getting rough. It was like out of nowhere, and waves were, were just like this, this deep. And, uh, and you were having to hold on. So I can imagine what it was like for them. It was 3 o'clock in the morning, dark. If there had been a full moon, it's still dark at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? Dark, the waves were moving. Their, their little wooden boat was, was going all, all over the place, and they were starting to get worried. They were rowing the boat. They were paddling, and they were getting nowhere. They were in trouble, actually, and they were scared. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in the darkness, comes Jesus walking on the water. Now, my small group this week, we were talking about this in the home. The question was, well, do you think he was glowing so they could see him? What do you think? I, I, I don't think he was glowing. I think he was just being like a man, and he was walking on the water. So if it was dark out there, he had to get fairly close before anybody could even see him. But the Bible tells us that when they saw him, they were freaked out because they thought they were seeing ghosts. And then when Jesus saw how scared they were, uh, he spoke to them right away. He said, oh, don't be afraid. Be of good courage. It is I. And, I, and I've read where actually what he said was, don't be afraid. Be of good courage. I am, boy, the I am, I am. When the I am speaks to you, there is something about that that changes everything. Point one that I want to make here is, and, and some of you will keep notes on this, so if, if you want to, you can do this. Point one, Jesus comes to us in the middle of our storm, even if it takes a miracle. That's important for you to know. Our storms seem horrible, and they are. But you know what? I've never seen a storm that worried the Lord 
I've never seen a situation that was bigger than our God. I've never seen a, a, a person affected that could not be helped and healed by God. He comes walking on the ways of our struggles, and he speaks encouragement. Be not afraid. Be of good courage. I am. You know, our struggles that we have are common to man. And I, and I, and I was going to look up that scripture that talks about the struggles that are common to man. Um, but when we face problems, we face worries, we, we face stress, we face financial issues, we face relationship problems, we face work problems. All of these are common to man, but Jesus' responses are always supernatural. Jesus responds to us in a way that only he can respond, supernatural. And so he responds with miracles. We deal with pressures and failures and sicknesses, and the Lord intercepts our naturalness with his supernaturalness. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a great thought? Then Peter did something that we might expect Peter to do, right? Peter is the one who, who is rash. Peter is the one who usually speaks before his brain gets into gear. Do we have anybody that does that? Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Anybody ever say something really stupid and you thought, where'd that come from? Why did I do that? Yeah, we all do that. So Peter did what... Peter does, and he says, If that's you, Jesus, in this wind and waves, tell me to come out there to you walking on the water just like you. So he recognized Jesus, and then Jesus heard Peter, and Jesus says, Come on, bro. You got it. Let's see what you're made of. You know, sometimes we better be careful what we ask for. You know, Oh, Lord, just let me see an angel. Oh, it would scare you silly. <laughs> oh, Lord, just let me, let me be able to fly. You wouldn't be able to control it if he gave you the ability to fly, right? And Peter says, Lord, let me walk on the water too. And he says, okay, there you go. And he crawled out of the boat, and he's walking on the water, or he's walking on something. You know, I, and in, my, in my thinking, and I, and I have a funny thinker, um, he, he was walking on something. The Bible says it was water, but how can you walk on water? It had to be something spiritual and deeper than that. I mean, because water is soft and slick, and you, you, know, you go into water. So God had him walking on something. I don't know how. You know, it's going to be interesting one day to find out about that kind of stuff, isn't it? So here is Peter walking across there. Um, and I can imagine Peter on, on the water. He walk, walks right up to Jesus, and he looks him in the eye, and he focuses on his master's face. What did he have to fear with Jesus there? Here was the one who had done so many miracles. Here was the one who had raised people from the dead. Here was the one who he knew was God, man. He was in the presence of his Lord and his God, not to worry. Right? Right? Point two. In the storm, we have an option to get out of the boat and move toward Jesus, or we have the option to stay back where there is fear. Getting out of the boat means allowing our faith to rise up, to get excited. Okay, Peter's faith rose up. 
he got excited. He said, oh, Lord, let me come too. And he jumped out of the boat before he knew what he was doing, right? When was the last time you were so moved and your faith was built up so much that you got excited and did something? You know, when was the last time, and I, I, I did this with the, the team this morning, and, and I looked at a couple of our praise leaders, and I said, I know it happened to you last Sunday. You were so excited. You were so fired up. You were so anointed. You couldn't help but dance around the stage, right? When were we so moved with our faith that it made us do something that was out of the ordinary? You, you can answer that. For yourself. Leaving our comfort zone. Overcoming obstacles. What does it mean to step out of the boat? It means leaving your perceived safety. Get that. Perceived safety. Not real safety. Because the safest place to be in all the world is with God. I don't care where you are. In the water. Out of the water. On the mountain. Down the mountain in the sky, down below. Wherever God is with you, that's the safest place you can be. That's why when you pray, Lord, let your will be done in my life, it doesn't really matter what that will is. It doesn't matter what you have to face because if God is in it, you're walking in his spirit, you're in the safest place you could possibly, possibly be. Amen? Yeah. Getting out of the boat means leaving those behind who might hold us back. This is a tough point right here. As he was starting to, as he's saying this to Jesus, Jesus, let me walk on the water with you. He starts climbing out of the side of the boat. Can you imagine what the other disciples were doing? Whoa, 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 Peter, back, 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 back. That's dangerous over there. Don't get near the edge. Does anybody in your family live like that? And we got any mamas here. Don't do that. Don't everybody get on the trampoline at the same time. Get those rubber balls off that trampoline if all of you are going to be on that trampoline. Somebody's going to get hurt. Back it up. And the disciples were probably doing that. Peter, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. He didn't really mean that. You know, he's God. You're not. You got these limitations. So understand, you got to stay back in the boat. But when we take a step of faith, when we get out of our boat, there's always going to be somebody to say, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Because faith is unusual these days. You don't see it everywhere you go right? But as he was walking across the water, then he was focused in on, on Jesus. Something changed. So, something happened. Everything was going really so well. He had made so many good decisions. He didn't fight Jesus when Jesus said, go get in the boat and leave. He didn't, he didn't fight when, when he told him to hand out the, the groceries to the people. He didn't fuss. There's no place in Scripture that says Peter disagreed with anything Jesus said or anything. He probably was in there rowing the boat just as well and working hard. He had made some really good decisions. But then Peter got distracted. He, he took his eyes off of Jesus. Now, bottom line is he wanted to focus on two things at the same time. Scripture comes to mind as you can't serve God in material things at the same time, right? Um, but he got distracted. Did you know it's not possible to focus on two things at one time? You know that? Uh, look at my hand, and, and I want you to just count the number of fingers I've got here, okay? How many fingers? How many thumbs? Okay. 
Now, while I was doing that, did you notice what I was doing with my foot or my hand over here? You were not able to do that because you were focused on this. Physically impossible brain-wise to focus on two things at once. Now, women, I am so sorry to tell you this, multitasking is not real. Okay? Because when you're doing this in the mirror, driving down the road, you can notice the lashes, but you don't notice the, the car in front of you. There's no possible way. And if you're noticing the car in front of you, your lashes are going to be bad. <laughs> so he was trying to do something that was not possible. And his attention shifts to the storm. And then he says, oh, wow, what am I doing? How did I get in this situation? I'm going to die. And the Bible tells us that he was terrified and he began to sink. And in his desperation, he called on the right person, right? At least he knew who to call for. You know, who you're going to call, right? Come on, Charlie. Who are you going to call, Charlie? Ghostbusters? Yeah. At least he knew who to call. And he said, he said, Lord, save me. And the reason he prayed a three-word prayer is because if he had prayed a 10 or 15-word prayer, he'd have been a goner. Right? He would have been a goner. And you may say, well, Pastor Jim, what's the point this morning? The point is found in Luke Chapter 8, verse 14. You can go there if you want or not. But Jesus taught a parable about seeds. He said, when the, and when the sower spread seeds, Jesus told us that some fell on the footpath, some fell on the rocky places, and some fell on the thorns, and some fell on fertile soil. Now, the, the seed is the word of God in, being spread in humans, right? Jesus said it this way. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, the good news, the faith message, <clears throat> but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by, and I'm reading, this is, I think, the NLT again, by the cares of life, riches, and pleasures of life. And so they never grow into maturity. So what is it that distracts us? Three things, three, three quick things. One, worry distracts us. Worry keeps us from being fruitful. What is it that stresses you today? Your job, your kids, your spouse, your money, your health? Worry will sap your strength, just like Samson's strength was sapped when they cut off his hair and will make you unproductive. The Bible tells us, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. You see, the cure for worry is trust. And if you are trusting, there is room for concern. There is room for noticing. But there's no room for worry when you're trusting in Jesus. The second point is things distract us. or Riches distract us. Or, or, or money or belongings distract us. Jesus lived a life of simplicity. And, but our lives seem to be full of complexities, don't they? We're so busy. 
I want to encourage us today to simplify our walk, our life today. And the third thing is that personal pursuits distract us. We do need to... We do need to try to maintain a balanced life. We, we, we know that recreation is good and rest is good and hobbies are good, but this is a in-your-face kind of a question. Is there a chance that you might be spending too much time on a hobby or on your own personal pursuits that you don't have time to spend with the Lord? Is it possible? There's a great way to find out for most of us. Ask your family. You wonder if you've been putting enough of your heart into your family? Ask them. Do you think maybe you've been too busy, you've been a workaholic, and you've not been available to your kids or your spouse? Ask them. They'll tell you. You know, in Peter's distraction, I identify with him probably a little bit more than I would like to admit uh, because I, I can get out of the boat. I don't mind getting out of the boat. I don't mind doing something unusual or something different. Uh, I was the one who, my wife and I, we moved Af uh, to uh, Russia. You know, we, we took our kids and moved to Russia. So I, don't, I do that occasionally. I'll get out on a limb and I'll, I'll, I'll do something like that. I, I don't mind that. Um, but sometimes I fail to trust him as I should. Um, I fail to trust that he's able to pay attention to my stuff. Now, I know he can handle your stuff. But sometimes I don't think he... He's watching my stuff. And, and it's not that he's not watching my stuff. It's that maybe I don't fully believe that he is watching my stuff. And so I have a little lack of faith, a, a, a lack of trust. I, I, I fail to trust him as I should that I'm going to be okay financially. Sometimes I struggle with that. You know, now I'm getting to a place in my life where I'm having to look at retirement. And now I'm, I'm looking at, okay, if I get this much for Social Security and I can work this much... Will I have enough to play golf? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was real serious, wasn't it? But you know what I'm saying, right? You, 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 we worry about things that we really don't have much, we can't do much about. I, 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 sometimes I, I fail to trust him in the middle of my hurricane. And I've had a hurricane too, just like everybody else. Because I so often rely on my own abilities. We, do we have anybody in here who's, you consider yourself capable? <laughs> we got some liars in here too. Uh, if, if this is your first time in church, welcome to the first church of the liars. <laughs> Many of you know that you're very capable, right? You put me in this arena, I'm capable. I can tell you what falls into this area of my expertise. I, I am capable. We are capable people. We have strengths. We have abilities. We have resourcefulness. But sometimes when my resourcefulness and my smarts and my experience fail me, I, I don't always know what to do. And I find myself sinking, and then I'm hollering, Jesus, help me, when he was there all along. Saying, here, just keep your eyes on me, Jim. Just keep your eyes on me. I know what's going on here. I know the waves are shaking you. I know your hurricane has come. But keep your eyes on me. You know what? That's, that's easy to say, but sometimes it's a little hard to do, isn't it? We need to do that, though. And I, I, I wonder if you identify with Peter as well. 
We sing songs that declare God's ability and his desire to help us through life. We sing songs that declare his wisdom. We say we are amazed at his abilities and his strength, and then we worry. Haven't you found that to be true? We get in here when everything's kind of, there's a buzz and it feels good and people are patting each other on the back and giving hugs and, and God is good. Yeah, we're, we're in our church facade, right? We're doing our church thing today, so we all feel good and we act good. And, but if I could take down the facade of all of you today, it would be a horrific view of mankind and it'd be a horrific view of pain in the hearts They'd be bleeding in your heart. They'd be bleeding in your mind. There'd be bodies that are just being racked by disease. But we come in here sometimes with our facade and we say, Oh, God is so good. Kumbaya, kumbaya. <laughs> you know, and we do, the, we do the feel good thing. And then we walk out the door and we get back into our hurricane and we're comfortable again in our hurricane. You know, there's an old song. I'm not going to sing it, I hope. <laughs> Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Oh, leave them there. Leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you'll trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. I'm glad I didn't sing that. <laughs> but we walk in, we unload our backpack of burdens to the Lord, right? We place them at the altar at the of the cross and say, God, thank you for relieving me of this. And then we say, have a great week. Go out there in the, in the world and be a light for Jesus. And we say, oh, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> and we walk back down that road carrying our junk, carrying our pain, carrying our bloodied nose, carrying our worries. We don't want to sing that song, I surrender, and never really surrender, do we? Jesus is the rescuer. I think he was so cool in this situation. Instead of making Peter go underwater, I, if it was me, I would have waited till he had one finger above the water. But, but apparently he didn't. When Peter called out, save me, Lord, the Bible says immediately Jesus reached out and grabbed him. I would have, Dan, I would have let him get soaking wet. In, in fact, I would have, I would have probably pulled on his head up and down just a little bit like this. <laughs> I was at the swimming pool the other day. Uh, I had to confess this to Elisa recently. Uh, I was at the swimming pool the other day at my mom's condo and I had uh, Landon and I had Cooper. They didn't have their stuff. You know, Landon was really mad at me because he didn't have his stuff. You know, his goggle, the thing to keep his nose from getting wet and all this. And Cooper didn't have his little swimmy things that he has. And we were just piddling around the edges. And, and I'm sitting on a lawn chair there at the edge of the pool, about this far from the pool. And he's right there on the steps. And I look over this way. And then I look back. And I see this little head bopping up and down <laughs> out of the water. He's, and it's kind of like, like this. He's not choking. Apparently, he's holding his breath good enough. 
And so I reach out, get him, and I and I can't reach him. So I reach a little bit more. I didn't, and he's still doing doing all this. Finally, I had to jump in the water and pick him up and hold him close. And he's going, Papa, Papa, Pop. But he wasn't crying. I said, it's okay. Papa's right here. He's got you. You're, you're fine. And, and he, he got good, and he started playing again. Um, but you know, when we're sinking in our, in our life, when we think it's way over our head, we're in over our head, we have somebody right near us who's ready to pick us up when we can't help ourselves. His name is Jesus Christ. And for those of you who've never really met Jesus Christ before, it's easy He's the one that you, you, you celebrate every Christmas. He's the one who was born in Bethlehem. He's the one who lived a sinless life. He's the one who they put on the cross and they killed. He's the one that we, we build all of our churches about. And he makes himself available to you through faith. And what, what's that mean? It means simply that you trust that Jesus did what he said he did, that he lived, that he died, and that he ascended back into heaven, and he is, he is there making intercession for us with God the Father. Coming to faith in God through Christ is really a pretty easy thing. It's the living afterward that's hard, right? It's, it's the walking it out that's a little bit harder. So I want to encourage you today, if, if you haven't made that uh, statement of faith, that you believe in Jesus, you need to take him into your heart before we're finished today. So you may be experiencing a storm. I'm finishing up here in just a second. Your storm may be that your mind is overwhelmed and you can't seem to think clearly. That's been my storm lately. Before I get up here and, and pray, I say, God, would you please touch my mind today? Your storm may be stress when dealing with your family, your finances, or your, your own poor scheduling. We get ourselves into a mess of trouble, and we blame it on God. Do better, okay? Don't overschedule. Don't overspend. Don't go putting stuff on credit cards at Christmas time. Okay? That's good, isn't it? That's really solid preaching. How many of you are going to take heed to that? Your storm might be that you're so lonely you want to die. I have a friend who has a mother who had a stroke and now she's unresponsive up in Jonesboro, Arkansas. I have a relative who experienced a massive heart attack this week. And some of us are facing issues and medical situations and issues that seem too heavy to bear. These issues seem insurmountable. And, here, and here's the thing. They probably are without God. They probably are insurmountable without God. Because when we face those kinds of storms alone, uh, we can't win. We can't win. When we take our focus off of Christ and we put it on our own problems instead of the answer to our problems, we will always sink in despair. Two little boys, it was wintertime, two little boys were out playing in a foot of snow, fresh, fresh snow. Isn't that a great thought? <laughs> and they're out in this big field out in the countryside. And one little boy says, hey, let's see who can make the straightest line with our feet. He said, okay. So they took off walking across this field. And uh, at the end of the the, the stretch, they, look, they both turn around and look back, 
And one path of footprints was as straight as could be, and the other one was like this. And the guy said, how did you get your line so straight? He said, every time I look, what happened, I'd look back and I would go off to the side. He said, and I noticed, that's what you were doing. He said, you see that, you see that fence post right over there? He said, I put my eyes on that fence post, and I never took my eyes off that fence post. And he allowed, it allowed me to walk that straight line. I want you to know today that in your life of hurricanes, there's a fence post out there. There's an anchor out there that you can hold on to. There is a firm foundation out there in the midst of all your turmoil. And his name is Jesus Christ the King. If you haven't found that kind of peace, if you haven't found that kind of safety, if you haven't found that kind of love and joy, you need to surrender it all today. You need to do that today. Peter learned the importance of keeping his eyes on Jesus. The good news is that Jesus is here. Amen. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for allowing us to worship you in the spirit. I thank you for allowing us to sing songs of praise and adoration to you. I thank you, God, for allowing us to see what, what it's like when your anointing touches our people, when our leaders are anointed today, and when, our, when, when, when everything that's going on is anointed by your spirit. I thank you for that, Lord. We need that so much, and I thank you, God, for your word today. And I ask you today, Father, that you would touch our minds, touch our lives, touch our hearts, touch our thinking. And I pray today, God, that you would make yourself available once again in a very personal way to anyone, everyone here, God, who needs to come closer to you. Jesus, you said just to love you, to believe in you, to trust in you, and we'll be saved. We'll we'll always have someone with us in that hurricane. We'll always have someone walking through our storms. We'll always have hope for a future. We'll always have hope of eternity. And today, God, I pray that for those who who are not sure of their faith, I pray today, God, that you would nudge their heart. And as they whisper their faith and their acceptance of who you are, Lord, I pray that you would just flood their heart with your love. Lord, forgive them of failures. Forgive them of the sin of their life. Forgive them for not going the right direction. And give them support so that their walk through life can be one that you're pleased with. Lord, we love you. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name.